Welcome to Business Aspirin, pain relief for business. Clint Junell has managed a restoration company in Dallas since 2008 and is one of the top drying experts in his region. Clint is also the co-founder of JobDocs, a software developed to help his team manage their overwhelming volume of projects. On the podcast, Clint brings together business managers and leaders to share with you how they have overcome their business pains and how you can too. And now, here's your host, Clint Junell. Hey everyone, welcome to Business Aspirin. I'm your host, Clint Janelle, and today I have with us as a guest, me, actually. Uh, so I talked to the producers and they thought that it would be a good idea for me to give you a little bit of intro into myself. You guys have been listening to the podcast, some cases because you knew the person that was our guest and they posted something and you checked out what they had to say. And uh, some of you may know me, but in some cases, you don't know who I am or where I came from or what I'm about. And so the producer said, hey, let's try a podcast with just you. And so we're going to endeavor into that. It's a little bit different to be on a podcast where you're the only one talking. There's no questions being asked. And in a lot of cases, when I'm doing the podcast, I'm asking questions of the guest. And that gives me the opportunity to trigger a thought and think through what they've said and, and kind of pry into some things that they're talking about, where they've come from and what they've done for us all to learn about how we can navigate the pains of business a little bit better. And so today we're going to give that a shot with just me and see how that goes. Uh, so hopefully it'll be a good time. And uh, I'll, I'll kind of just give you a history of myself, talk about some of the things that we've done, where we're going uh, and, and where we're headed uh, with things now. So my name is Clinton Janelle. Uh, I have uh, an interesting background, I guess, in regard to business uh, from the perspective of my grandfather started a plumbing company in 1943. That plumbing company eventually became an HVAC and plumbing company when central heating and air conditioning was uh, invented and produced and available um, you know, throughout the country at a price that some people could at least afford to do. It took quite a time to do that, but I grew up in that world. So at a really young age, I was out with my grandfather and my father and uncles that were all involved in that business, digging ditches, crawling under houses, uh, repiping houses, cleaning out sewer lines, and you know, eventually then in attics, uh, working on installing HVAC systems and navigating the parts and pieces of what went into air conditioning a house. So I did that for a while in the summers while I was still going to school, uh, intended to move off to Colorado to play baseball um, and do some other things at that time. Um, when I graduated high school, my father had a heart attack and I felt like it was probably good to stay home and not to move off. And as a result, stayed and went to college at West Texas A&M University, which is just outside of Amarillo and helped my father run his uh, heating air conditioning business that had kind of evolved a little bit into an indoor air quality business. Uh, at that time, it was, you know, early 90s and the early 90s led to some things like Aaron Brockovich and black mold. And um, it was a result of kind of how the restoration industry had grown uh, and some of the things that we didn't know, the things that we weren't able to really accomplish well. Technology wasn't as good as it was or is now. And so fans didn't dry as well. And so structures were left wet uh, when they flooded and the carpet cleaners that were trying to address it didn't have the ability to really dry structures well without tearing them up completely. And so mold was a thing. Um, so I jumped into the indoor air quality space because I knew how air moved through buildings because of the HVAC work that I had been doing for years. And so I felt like I had a good understanding of some of that, did some studying, worked with the Texas Department of Health to 
uh, actually navigate what was required for sick building syndrome and building related illness and doing mold inspections and writing remediation plans for uh, various entities and, and did a lot of that through a lot of Texas and even some other parts of the country. And I would actually create a protocol for cleaning up the mold environment and hand that to the restoration company for them to execute on. And so I built some relationships in the in the industry as a result of that. And it was really great for me to be able to meet and understand how businesses operated and make relationships with some of these guys and learn about the insurance game and space um, as that, uh, you know, operated early 2000, you know, that kind of tilted a little bit. Let me back up actually, because in 1999, I got married to my wife and uh, we've been together since that time. And now we have three kids um, who we all live in the DFW market. And my oldest is 15 and plays travel hockey and I have a daughter that dances and plays volleyball. And then my seven-year-old is playing baseball and soccer and we'll figure out what else he does. Um, but they're here with us and we kind of operate in a very divide and conquer zone defense kind of family uh, to navigate it where we need to go. And so hopefully the 15 year old be driving um, early next year and get us a chance to really be navigating some things a little more efficiently, but married in 99. And then in 2000, is an interesting space inside restoration where the insurance carriers in, in Texas, farmers, state farms, so those guys are actually pulling out of the state of Texas. And so the reason being was they didn't like what was happening inside the mold space and they wanted to be able to monetize mold coverage. And the only way to do that was to pull out, restructure and figure out some things that they could do to navigate billing for mold work. And at some level, I understand that and can appreciate it because the reality is uh, at that time, if you had four different companies, right, four different restoration plans and um, estimates on what it was going to take to actually make it work, they would be wildly different environments. And, you know, there's no standard, no regulation, and there's still not really a good one. Even in Texas, it's, it's all kind of a cluster. And so they pulled out as a result of what I was doing. It became really interesting endeavor to try to get paid for the consulting side and the remediation planning because the carriers didn't want to pay for the initial inspection and testing until the restoration was done, the remediation was done, and the um, clearance test had been completed. Well, in some cases, that could be a year-long project, and uh, I was fed up with trying to deal with all that. So I kind of played around with some other stuff, wound up playing in some real estate a little bit, moved to DFW, um, and you know had some good houses that we were building and flipping and uh, leasing out and doing some things. And then in 2008, the economy tanked um, and that resulted in, you know, kind of a shit show and trying to figure out what I was going to do. Um, I was heavily vested in real estate and, you know, that kind of cost and hurt a little bit on some of that and created some problems and had to just navigate through all that. And so we did. Uh, but uh, in late 2008, uh, Hurricane Ike hit Galveston and, my current business partner, Mark, was traveling for, at that point, uh, Target Restoration out of Waco and doing some restoration work, but he still owned a portion of Amarillo Restoration. And so I talked to him and said, hey, I'm going to go try to hit some of this. Don't really have any money left at this point. And, you know, the real estate part really kind of hit me dry. I had a couple of assets I was able to sell and live off of those for a little while, but it had gotten tight, truly to the point of I, my, my oldest, who's 15 now, was born in 2008. And that was March of 2008. And by the time I hit, I fortunately I had sold a duplex that I still had 
um, up in West Texas in the Amarillo Canyon area. And that was able to kind of cover us. But prior, prior to that, we had gotten down to the point where we were sitting truly with about $200 to our name, nothing in the bank accounts anymore, and about $200 in a safe in the house. And it was tight and scary because I had a kid and we were, you know, incurring some debt on some things, but we had this asset we were trying to get sold and looked like it was going to be able to sell. And so that was a good thing where we were able to get it sold, fortunately in the process of getting it sold, uh, be able to create a cushion. And then, so then I kids Galveston and I'm able to take off down there and uh, actually go make a little bit of money on in Galveston and kind of get the eye of some people. And uh, my business partner and I chatted he was not my business partner at the time, just a friend that I had worked with that I met as a result of doing the remediation planning. So we have some conversations and it puts us in a position where I'm able to work with him. And we bought out Amarillo Restoration, the goal being that um, I had a lot of connections in Amarillo and he did as well. We'd be able to really kind of grow the Amarillo market. So that's the center of the panel of Texas faster than the DFW market and kind of get some traction there. And we started that direction. And then I had been in, in DFW for a few years at this point and had some friends and buddies and relationships just because I'm, I'm just kind of the way I live my life as I try to, you know, help and serve and do stuff for other people and um, had plenty of friends and wound up landing in as a result of one of those friends, um, you know, a little over half a million dollar, apartment fire up in Sherman, which is not horribly far from where we're at in DFW. And that really kind of kicked us off pretty strong on the ability to be able to kind of navigate getting some funds really kind of in the door for our new little pump company. And, you know, after we'd made the money with Galveston, we'd made some good changes here and made some growth and that kind of just hit us running. And as a result, essentially it was me here uh, in DFW and Mark, my business partner, uh, left Target Restoration and, and began trying to develop the Amarillo office that we had uh, through relationships he already had there. And that's where he lived. So we set off to work on this apartment fire. And lo and behold, had a couple of things come in here and there as we were working this fire and had some revenue coming in from that. And we started to just be able to grow and just truly blessed by honestly, the grace of God giving us opportunities to be able to grow and develop and uh, hit some things in stride and, and through some, you know, crazy times and through some pretty significant loss financially because of the 2008 economy and still being in a position where we could could grow. And that worked out pretty well for us. And we started hitting some good strides and um, we were doing well and growing. And, you know, obviously at the time it was me doing everything. I was writing the Xactimate estimates. And at, at that time, if your Xactimate went off while you were writing, you would lose everything you had up to that point you hadn't saved. And it was quite a mess. You'd get way into a you know, couple hundred thousand dollars in line items in and not have saved it and it crashes on you, then that's a nasty uh, awakening that you have to try to navigate. But I did have that happen. So you don't do that very often. You don't get very far along anymore after that before you start saving regularly when you figure out that's what took place. And so that happened to me, but we were able to make that project work and certainly left a lot of money on the table on that project simply because I didn't at that time know Xactimate well enough, didn't know how to argue some of the things that we knew how to argue now, don't know how to defend the position of what needed to be done, didn't fully understand all the construction as well as I should have. But I was writing Xactimate. I was... Uh, navigating the vendors and having the vendors do the work they need to be doing and taking their invoices in, make sure those get paid and then billing it out to the, the client and or carrier for the work that was being done. And 
we did that and uh, we grew and we had some projects going on and it began to be a little overwhelming with that. And we hired some people in place and got those guys in. And, uh, you know, I, in true entrepreneurial fashion, hated the corporate world and what corporate rules and regulations uh, entail and what that brought. And I, I railed against that. I didn't want to have those rules in place. I wanted to be able to avoid all of that stuff on the red tape that just bugged me and annoyed me about uh, a job, which is why I never really had a job job. But as we grew, I when I hired people, I began to teach them the things that I knew and did. And my thought was that it would make them more valuable to the market and more valuable to me as a result if they knew how to do some of this, knowing that no one was going to stay forever and eventually some would jump off and do their own thing or switch industries or find something else they wanted to do. And we've helped a couple of guys actually start their own restoration companies out of what we taught them here. And that's great. Um, at the same time, I began to learn, I can't have everything. I, I can't have a new sales guy that's doing sales and then running new jobs and doing new collections and doing all those things because it gets lost in the process. And we had to start working in a way that we could uh, compartmentalize some things a little bit and get into those corporate rules that we hated that allowed us to separate things out and have somebody doing some business development sales and somebody doing, um, you know, the mitigation work and efforts and somebody documenting all of that. And then the reconstruction part going to someone else, because that seemed like that would be the better way to navigate. And it's turned out to be a much better process for us, but we got to the point where we were doing, you know, a couple hundred jobs a year and, when we when we had crested that you know million and a half two million dollars in revenue it began to be really difficult to keep up with everything so i was having meetings with my team pretty regularly um you know probably three or four times a week minimum to have conversations about where what a project was and what our next step was and what we needed to be doing to uh get the insurance involved to get it collected to get it checked to get a mortgage company to issue a new draw to get an inspection coordinated and all the things that you guys are aware of on the restoration space that take place uh not much different than other service industry companies you start getting too much going and you can't keep all of that if you're in your head any longer and I was trying to keep it in my head, uh, make sure I was keeping it going. And I was able to do a pretty decent job of that, but realized there was a problem. And so what I was doing was having my entire team meet for an hour to try to navigate where we were. And it really didn't require all of them to be in a meeting together to do that. I needed to know certain things from certain people, but that part could probably take 10 minutes uh, from each person instead of tying everybody else up that way. And so we, we began to try to evaluate, figure out where we were. We had some spreadsheets that we used to, to try to track some things and we had whiteboards and we had manila folders and we had all the things to document where we were. But, you know, inevitably we'd get in a position where we needed information and it was in a folder in the office somewhere and we didn't have a person in the office that could actually get it to us. So somebody would have to go to the office to get the information. Um, and that became just a raving nightmare. And we decided that we needed to build some software. And so... Uh, my business partner and I, we found a guy to help us build a website that we could manipulate information into for job information and, and client information and create some contact. And so we realized uh, you know, most clients want to know what's taking place, regardless of the service industry they're in. They want to have some information about, you know, what's taking place. If I'm removed from my house for a restoration project, what is your plan to get it back together? What are you working on? What's the daily process of getting this navigated for me? Because I'm trying to 
understand what my next step is going to be as a homeowner. Uh, same thing for, you know, HVAC and plumbing. If you're going to replant my house, how long is this going to take? And, you know, somebody going to be there 24 hours a day, seven days a week until it's done, or, you know, do they work a certain schedule and what takes place? And so we realized very quickly that communication was key and vital to uh, making these projects go smoother is that if we could communicate to the client where we stood and what was taking place, then they would be in a better position to be able to be comfortable with us and what we were doing and navigating the next steps. with So that was one of the key factors that we decided we were going to build a tool and we built a software program for that. And we started working through with our guy to get us in a position where we could utilize the tool for communication and documentation of loading photos, just kind of journeyed out into some stuff. And there were some guys that had launched their products into the market uh, shortly after we got this kind of going and they were super proud of it. And I had a conversation with one of the you know bigger players, honestly, now in the software space that they, they were super excited that, that they had rolled out a new feature. They're going to be able to capture a signature in the field from the customer. And we already had that built into our product, but we weren't selling this product. We didn't monetize it. There was just strictly for us uh, as a company to do a better job of uh, growing um, our company and, and handling projects and caring for our clients. And I would not suggest that anyone venture off into this journey. Uh, it's difficult. It's a difficult journey to, to try to build a product to help you run your business better and spend the time, energy, effort, and money to um, develop a new software product specifically for yourself. Um, when you do that, it's great because you get exactly what you want as a company um, and then you continue to build it out and new features as you think through things and learn what you want to be able to do with it. But it's also, you know, a daunting task and, and tough and requires time and attention. But we didn't like what was out in the market. And, and obviously all those companies, software guys have developed as well as they've gone. And new features are out continuously. And as technology enhances and develops now, you can track assets um, through new technology into your, your project management systems. So I can know where a fan is or a truck is. And, you know, all of that uh, didn't really develop initially with the software technology side of what we were doing because it wasn't even a thought at the time. And so the technology sector has grown tremendously over the last, you know, decade or longer that we've had this software. Uh, and then in 2016, we decided that we were going to actually take the product to market. We had a lot of people ask us about it, had seen it and wanted to know if they could purchase it or have a piece of it, or if they could hire a developer to do something for them. And we decided that we would just make it a product that was available. Uh, and then as we got feedback on the product, we could enhance the product for both ourselves and for others. The reality is and something I say often is you don't know what you don't know. So it's tough to try to build a product that's going to serve everyone when you only know the way you operate and not the way someone else operates and what they need and how they're wired and um, how they want to see data return to them and how they expect things to function and where they believe buttons should live. And so we would constantly take feedback to try to enhance the product that we built. So, you know, we built uh, job docs uh, as a product that we could make available for everyone. And as a note regarding business aspirin, it was, this is trying to solve a problem for us in communication as Mr. Restore, my, my restoration company, solving a problem in regard to not being able to communicate clearly and effectively all the time with the customer, uh, failing to shoot emails, not having that communication centralized. So if one of my guys 
sent an email, I would have no idea whether they had or not. But if they created a journal note that sent out to the customer, I could look in the system. And then if the customer called complaining, I could at least defend my team and say, Mrs. Smith, I see where they sent this message out yesterday to communicate to you what the next step was. And so that helped on that end to be able to navigate the communication side and streamline some of the things that we needed to be able to communicate with our customers well so they would know where things stand. And, you know, honestly, in, in the restoration space, for sure, when you fail to communicate, it usually create or costs you money, creates problems that cost you money because you have to navigate the next step. You're either spending more time trying to communicate to the client differently later or, you know, you have to offer some kind of credit because, you know, you dropped the ball and you're some scumbag because you haven't gotten your things done the way that you should. So we try to create a tool that would improve communication. We try to improve it, create a tool that would allow us to document where we were, like digitally photographs, uh, maybe audio notes. Um, and then that evolved into a way to clock in because we needed to be able to track our guys' times a little bit better and then be able to validate and document for the carrier when they were there on the labor logs and have all that stamped through geotagging and that sort of thing. So we did that. And then we heard from clients that had purchased it, what they thought they needed, and we would enhance a feature from that. All along, just trying to grow um, a tool that would be valuable to our clients so that we could serve them. Uh, and hopefully being able to then enhance what we were doing as a company that would allow us the chance to develop our processes and tools and things of that nature. So we've done that, right? And it's out and it's rocking and it's pretty great and we love it. And there's some of you guys that use it and we love it. And thank you for that. And thank you for your help in growing our, our product. And then as you do that, you still realize, okay, I have to have some processes. So uh, we as a company, Mr. Restore, my restoration company and, and job docs, as well as a company use EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system from a book called Traction uh, that you can find on Amazon or Audible and, and listen to this book. And it's really a method of getting your team all aligned. You've heard several of us talk about that on the podcast, some of which I knew were on and some I had no idea, uh, but the conversation just come up and it would be the team of entrepreneurs realizing they need help getting this navigated in a manner that will allow them the opportunity to align their team on focus and goals and uh, important tasks to get completed. And once you get your entire team on the same, rowing the boat in the same direction, it's spectacular. And so I highly recommend that if you're trying to navigate, if you're listening to this podcast, then you're hopeful to find something that is going to help you do a better job of being an entrepreneur, of growing your business, of uh, establishing processes, of being a better person, maybe a better husband, better dad, uh, getting some free time back, maybe hopefully keeping things from slipping through the cracks. And uh, I would highly recommend EOS for that. Uh, and I'm happy to chat with any of you guys if you want to reach out we can discuss, you know, how we've utilized that and what that looks like. But uh, the book Traction is spectacular for that. Uh, Gino Wickman is the guy that wrote that book. And so I would suggest that you check it out and see what happens to your business in terms of growth and success when you start to implement a tool like EOS to help you do that. And obviously, I would love for you to take a look at Job Docs as a software product to help you manage your projects so things don't slip through the cracks as well. But that's not the purpose really of the podcast. Uh, the podcast is to help you figure out, you know, 
what are the pains that you don't see? Where are the blind spots that you've missed uh, along the way? And uh, I hope that we're accomplishing some of that for you as we go through these episodes. Uh, and we got some other guests lined up uh, over the next few weeks to get recorded. And, you know, if all things work out well, that way we get recordings in uh, efficiently and effectively and get them edited. It's a lot of work to do this. And uh, I'm fortunate that the team behind me on this podcast is pretty amazing. And really, the only thing I have to do is jump on and hit record and have a conversation with a guest. And that's so much fun for me to be able to do that and, and to chat with them. And so the team behind here gets all this navigated and put together and uh, makes some things really look great. And, you know, I don't really have gray hair. They add that. I don't know why. Uh, I think they make it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I do have a lot of gray hair, but that's cool too. So, you know, we, we decided that, you know, one of my goals is to really, to be helpful. And I, I wanted to be able to, you know, what's another way I could help, which is what led to this podcast and the podcast being, you know, how do we help people navigate the next step? And, you know, how do we help them look for stuff? And, you know, I'm, it's interesting because I just recently saw a video on social media and there was a guy that was standing on the street corner and uh, he had a bag and in the bag, he had one ounce gold, um, looked like little cards, almost like business cards, where if you were in Vegas and somebody's trying to flick a card and hand it out to you, this guy's standing on the corner trying to kind of hand this out. It was interesting because it's a one ounce gold that he's trying to hand out. It's worth about 2000 bucks per one ounce. And he's trying to hand it out on the street. He had probably 20 or 30 of them in this bag that he was willing to just hand out, uh, knowing full well that as he did it, people weren't necessarily going to take it. And so he would flick on it and he would try to hand it to somebody, hey, do you want, you know, and a lot of people passed him up. They're like, oh, they walk by, which we do on a regular basis is we walk by people uh, in regular efforts of someone trying to actually help us, someone that actually has something of value. And we pass it up because we don't realize that it has value. But for him, he doesn't care. Everybody that doesn't take it, it's helping him. It's not hurting him because now he gets to keep that $2,000 back in his pocket. And so we have that same mentality is we have something of value. We have something of value as Mr. Restore to help people get, get their lives back together. We have something at job docs to help businesses grow and manage their projects and save money and be more efficient and keep things from slipping through the cracks so that they're more profitable and, and have a better chance of growing with the resources they have. We have value at business Ashburn of being able to ask and talk to some really cool people that can offer insight, man. Some of these guests that we've had on this uh, podcast have been spectacular in what they've done in regard to growing their own business and paying attention to what's happening and talking about commissions and talking about having to dig in and really work hard and navigating the next steps of growing a business. And you'll hear over and over these guys talk about what it takes to really be successful. And so a great place to learn little bits and pieces. Um, there are going to be things that you can take. Sometimes you might listen to one and not get anything out of it. But overall, um, you're going to be able to learn something great from what's taking place, not because of me, not because of who I am, not because I'm great at asking questions, just simply the people that we were lucky enough to get on this podcast have some wisdom. And it's been a real joy to be able to do that. And so um, I'm excited about what, you know, the next few hold. Uh, I'm excited about who we have coming on on a couple of them and uh, being able to kind of get them 
produced and out. Some of these guys are busy and it's tough to get them uh, in on the podcast and sit here for, you know, 40, 45 minutes with me, but um, it's been great doing it. I'm excited about it. Um, I've got some other stories. I think I'll probably try to do another solo podcast soon uh, and talk about some stories. I want to talk, for instance, about a buddy of mine that just ran Leadville Trail 100, which is a hundred mile run. Um, starts at 10,500 feet of elevation and goes to a total of 12,600 feet at your highest point, but along the way climbs 11,000 feet. And so just the thought of what it takes to train and develop and get into that and how that correlates to life and business and what's going to be required of us if we want to be successful. And so lots of good stories to come. Uh, I'm excited about them. I'm hopeful that you will continue listening to what we have as a podcast. And if there's ideas that you have, if there's somebody you know you want to have jump on the podcast, have them reach out, man. We'd love to have them, love to chat with them and see what we can navigate. Um, so again, guys, thanks for joining us uh, on these podcasts and on this journey. And I'm grateful for you. Uh, I hope that I can be of value to you. That's my primary goal. Uh, and if any way possible for me to serve you some way, let me know, man. We're here for it. Again, thanks for watching. We'll see you next time on Business Aspirin. This has been a Business Aspirin, pain relief for business podcast. If you're a business owner trying to overcome your business pains, follow us on Apple Podcasts or visit our website for more information, job-docs.com.